Hello there, citizens. I am the terror that flaps in the night. I am the floaty that will not flush no matter how many times you try in the toilet bowl of crime. I am Darkwing Duck. Telling you, please, talk hard and enjoy the mindgasm. <laughs> Whatever the heck that means. After all, you are watching Intellectual Podcast with your ears. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the 126th episode of the Intellectual Podcast. I'm your host, David S. Dawson. Thank you once again for joining us. We have a great show for you today. Our guests are David Gattel and Angie Kudum of the short film Demons. Demons is a nonprofit short film being shot about suicide prevention, and it's a project that uh, is currently running an Indiegogo campaign. They're very, very close to their, their funding, and uh, you have a chance to help them out uh, before their film uh, funding campaign is over, which is just 48 hours from now. So make sure uh, you, you go visit their, their Indiegogo page. It's igg.me slash at slash demons short film. Uh, this is the type of project you absolutely should be helping out with. It's a positive message. It's an important type of, uh, program and, uh, your contribution is in fact to a nonprofit and is totally tax deductible. So, you know, go help them out, give them 10 bucks, whatever they are within they're under $700 away from their goal at this point. And, uh, like I said, there's two days left. So make sure you go check them out after you listen to the show. And uh, I think you, you'll agree with me after you listen to them that this is the type of project that we all should be getting behind. And again, uh, you know, I thank you in advance for contributing. Uh, they're also providing a very cool uh, gift to one of our listeners. Um, it's a chance to sit down with the filmmakers of Demons. They're going to pay for a dinner for you. You get to choose where to have dinner with them. This is available only to San Diego residents. But... Uh, if you use the hashtag suicide prevention and share the URL for this podcast in that post on Twitter or Facebook, either one, uh, we will select one of those posts at random and that person will be chosen to enjoy a exclusive dinner uh, of your choosing, whatever restaurant you want with the filmmakers of demons um, that's with the director and the producers, and uh, I believe uh, some of the actors will join as well. So it's an opportunity for you to pick their brains and and uh, find out what their process is like making film, make some networking connections in a very exclusive format that is very hard to come by. And these are filmmakers you want to know. Uh, you'll you'll get that after we uh, go through the episode, and you'll see this is a very cool giveaway. So make sure you. Uh, Share this show on social media. Use the hashtag suicide prevention and uh, we'll select one of our listeners at random to uh, enjoy this very cool uh, evening with the filmmakers of Demons. And uh, before we get into the podcast itself, I'd like to uh, congratulate once again uh, my filmmaking team on Things Happen. We are officially selected for the Film Consortium's uh, Fall Film Festival, and we'll be screening Saturday night, November 14th, as part of the uh, 5 o'clock screening group. 
And uh, you can get tickets for $12 at Eventbrite. All you've got to do is go to eventbrite.com and do a search for Film Consortium San Diego Fall Film Festival and uh, choose your ticket for Saturday night uh, drama screening one. I'm so, so pleased, so happy that uh, San Diego is going to have another chance to see this film. Um, It's something I'm very, very proud of, and I just can't tell you how much it means to me that we keep getting uh, official selections. Uh, We've been nominated and have won a few awards, and this is a film that uh, I really put my heart and soul into, and I know the rest of my team did as well. And uh, I'm so happy everybody in San Diego is going to get a chance to see it again on the big screen because the Fall Film Festival is at the Ultra Star Mission Valley Hazard Center. So that's a full-fledged movie theater, nice big screen. Uh, It's going to be a great time. So uh, make sure you check that out. And the whole Fall Film Festival runs Friday, November 13th, all the way through to Sunday, November 15th. Uh, They have a Friday night uh, screening, the horror, sci-fi, and fantasy screening. They have two drama uh, programs uh, Saturday night. And on Sunday, they'll run a comedy uh, block before doing the awards. So, again, go to Eventbrite. Uh, look for Fall Film Festival and uh, grab your tickets to the San Diego Fall Film Festival while you can. Uh, I'm sure some of these nights are going to sell out, if not all. Um, So there you go. And uh, with that, let's get straight into the podcast with David and Angie of the film Demons here on the 126th episode of the Intellectual Podcast. Talk hard and enjoy the mindgasm. The Intellectual Podcast starts now. Uh, oh. Okay, we'll see the VIG. So 10 years? Yeah, VIG was 10 years ago. On and off again? The, what's the VIG? Was this uh, pile of poop that we made about uh, 10 years ago? That thing is a pile of poop. It's something to start out with. What do you think, Dave? Pile of poop? I have been very clear that it's a, it was a learning experience. Exactly. Oh, there it is. It's it, something we grew from. It was really fun to make, I got to say. It was. It was a joy to make. It was. So. Relationships happened. <laughs> oh. What? No, it did. Like me and you and then Carl. Carl. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Some of it. those kinds of relationships happened too. <laughs> the good relationships. No, <laughs> uh, it. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of what's the big. We 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 made it here. We had like a twenty thousand dollar budget. Mm. We shot it on an XL two. I don't know where that twenty thousand went, but okay. Well, <laughs> seven and a half went to the camera, you know, and then feeding a cast of what felt like thousands for twenty nine days. A lot of submarina, you know. And you can buy that on Amazon for two ninety nine. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, help us get past that $15 threshold on, on, on sales. My goal. Sales went up, what, like 200, 400% this year? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, there you go. So tell me about your guys' show. Tell you about our show. Okay. Uh, so we interview local mm-hmm. talent, mm-hmm. Uh, whether it be on camera or off camera. Uh, actors, actresses, writers, directors, producers, filmmakers, editors, makeup artists. And, uh, You've been doing it for two years. Well, we've actually, you've only been November 12th will be my two year anniversary of this show. Right. Wow. You've only been Very doing cool. the San Diego part 
since January. Since January. Like I say, Merrick was your. Well, I mean, that's not entirely true. The very first few episodes were San Diego actors, San Diego people. Mm. Um, I started doing quote unquote celebrity interviews a couple months in. So, mm. the, but the first like two months were all San Diegans. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> I don't like talking about myself. <laughs> Let's fine. talk about you fine folks. Uh-oh. Oh, oh no. Let's, Let's start see. with you, Angie. Oh, um, I am a producer. Uh, I'm also, uh, well, I've done a lot of things. I have my own entertainment website that I've turned over to my buddy here, Chris Sweeta. Oh. And uh, I've been doing publicity. Um, the last film that I did publicity for was called Watercolor Postcards. Um, it started... Uh, Let's see. The film was released in 2012. It actually played down here in the San Diego Film Festival. Nice. Um, it had Jonathan Banks in it, John C. McGinley, Ooh, um, Joan I Van like Ark. Both those actors. Um, Steve Easton. It had a couple of TV names. Mm. Um, and then I did publicity for that. Right now it's playing, right now, I think Turkey, Ireland, England. Mm. It's done its festival run. So right now it's doing its, okay, we're doing our tour all over the world, <laughs> and uh, then we'll come back and visit. Oh, that's right. cool. So, um, Jonathan Banks of uh, more recently probably the Breaking Bad uh, series. Uh, Better Call Saul. Better Call Saul. Yeah. He plays Mike. Yeah. He's been a character actor for, I don't know, what, 30, 40 years, something oh, like that. But I remember he's him really when, coming into his own. Yeah, know. but do you remember him when he was an airplane? Uh he was an airplane. He was a radio tower guy. Was he? Yeah. Okay. I know. And I was just like, who is this guy? Oh. He had hair. Yeah, yeah. He actually was doing other things. I remember from 48 Hours. Yeah. yeah. 48 Hours with Nick Nolte and uh, Ed, Eddie Murphy. And then, uh, let's see, he was a, what else? Uh, he was also he, a, a, kind of like a villain and wise guy. The wise, wise guy, guy sure. That was a big and, thing uh, too. Beverly Hills Cop too, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, there, were, there was just, he played this great, you know, you look at Jonathan Banks now, and he's got that stoic face. Yeah, you know, yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen bald head, gray goatee. Yeah. yeah, it's just like looks wow. just like my friend. Well, he dad. recorded that little bit uh, for the San Diego Film Awards right. this past year. <laughs> like, Even, just the, he's friends mm, with Fred Ashburn. You're making movies, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. but he's really a nice guy. I mean, I'm sure. I, I, you know, I happen to had uh, I met him with my crew. We were doing uh, interviews in Hollywood and. It was kind of funny. We saw him at Malibu Seafood, and it's like he's like your grandfather. <laughs> you know, you don't really expect it. I mean, he was very soft spoken, really nice. You know, he's like, "How are you doing?" And I'm like, "It's Jonathan Banks." Yeah. <laughs> so I was just like, you know, um, but when you meet these people, you kind of realize what you what your passion is and what you want to do. Sure. And uh, you know, it's inspiration. Mm-hmm. So. And, and John C. Mc- Ginley. Oh. Am I saying that right? I yeah. love him. He's John one of my C. favorite He TV. plays uh, uh, Scrubs. Scrubs. Uh, he was in Platoon. Uh, Oliver Stone's Dark, Dark earlier Cox. movies. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Wall Street. Oh, gosh. Uh, you can't forget Office Space. <laughs> Office, Office Space. Space. Yeah, you're right. One of, yeah. One of the Bobs, right? <laughs> <laughs> one of the Bobs. I celebrate his old catalog. <laughs> Michael Bolton. I got a meeting with the Bobs. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he was in that film. Conrad Goody was the lead. Um, you know, it, it was a nice dramatic, you know, mm-hmm. it was a heartfelt film. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a pleasure to, to work on. I mean, we, we went out there, we did interviews. It, it was just the process of, of, you know, actually doing the marketing for it and seeing, you know, you know, the blood, sweat and tears that people put into film is just, you really don't realize until you're, you're part of the action. Right. 
So right. it was fun. And well, that's, that's where, you know, things got serious for me in terms of film. And then I started doing things locally with shorts. Um, you know, I've got a couple of feature film projects coming up. Uh, you know, I can't really say too much about them. Ah, that, we'll sign an NDA next year. right The here. infamous, we can't talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> and unfortunately, you know, that's the thing about, you know, working on certain projects. Hey, that, you know, I got a, I got a 10 year old girl on today's episode that went out and she had the same. I can't yeah. talk about, I this can't thing. talk about this. The lawyers are going to come and get me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> where, where did you shoot that feature? Uh, you said not in San Diego? Which one? Uh, watercolor uh, postcards? Yes. It was shot in Barstow, Riverside. Barstow, Riverside. Okay. Yeah. They, you actually, oh, right otherwise, they, exactly. otherwise known as the, the McDonald's way, stop the on the way to Vegas. Yeah, yeah you know what? I just went there recently. I can't find I think the McDonald's shut down. Mm. We went like to that, Barstow. At that little train station? Yeah, because yeah. it's usually where we make our stops to Vegas, right? You yeah. stop there. Is it close to huh. the Alien Beef Jerky? Is that the name of the place? No, that's uh, that's up in Baker, oh, okay. yeah, which is another about, like uh, hour, hour and a half north. I love that place. So, but yeah, I mean, I, one of the things I, I, I'm trying to do, you know, as part of my film career is I really want to bring some major projects down to San Diego. Nice. Because, you know, there's some, there's some really good talent out here. There's, you know, great locations that are inexpensive. You know, we just we just need to kind of stir things up again. Yeah. You know, there is stuff happening here. You know, we have people doing some great things. Jody Siley, mm. Francine, Phil, I'm sorry, I'm going to Phil Singer. Phil Singer. Yeah. Keep butchering her name, but no, I mean, I see all everybody. Sandy Buner, another mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody's trying to do their part, but you know, again, we really need that partnership with LA. You know, to get things going because yeah. they have the big budget films. Well, I, I, we were just talking about that at yeah, lunch. Brigantine, yeah, um, over fish tacos and that's our donkey, sponsor. Donkey <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, Melon Mule. Mule. Yeah, um, yeah. I was saying, you know, there's been this kind of uh, to hell with LA kind of attitude with a lot of people the last couple of years, and I think we need to get past that because I mean, no matter what. The deals are made in L.A. You know, that's where film money is. That's where mm. the business of filmmaking really originates from. Whether we're shooting here or Atlanta or right. Vancouver mm. or whatever, the deals, the handshakes, they're all done in L.A. Where, mm. Yeah, Jonathan Banks lives probably, I would imagine. And they all live in Malibu. Yeah, Malibu. Yeah. Malibu or... Tony Starkville, I call it. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, yeah, I, de- I definitely I agree. Like we have to we have to figure out how to partner with Los Angeles, help them understand that we are we are a benefit to them. We are a plus to filmmaking because we are close, right? <laughs> but we are removed. <laughs> you know, well, we so have, it's, it, we, we have a lot of the benefits of being someplace else without being. Right. Terribly f- someplace else. Well, you know? I mean, we're an untapped resource. I mean, let's exactly. let's call it what it exactly. is. We yeah. are untapped. I mean that's exactly you know we have various terrain. We've got, you know, international business happening in San Diego. You know, I mean, half our population is is mostly people who come to work for places like Qualcomm, a lot of the biotech mm. companies. Sure. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you know, in terms of what we can offer film companies. You know, production companies. I mean, sky's the limit right now. It's just a matter of you know, yeah, we have to find a way to make it work. Yeah, I and think I think a big portion it. of it, I think, is is Los Angeles doesn't see the structure here. No, 
And I think that's kind of the missing component of the structure. I think one of the first steps to that is going to be the film office coming back, coming right. into being. Um, and I don't know if you heard our episode. We had Supervisor Roberts on yeah. uh, last Dave week. Dave Roberts. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think we're, we're making a lot of headway uh, both politically but also in the community. I think a lot of us are starting to put a lot of pieces together. We've got a lot of little boutique studios that are coming up. There's some rumblings about some studio space potentially being made out in East County. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, all these things are kind of starting to be built. And I think once they kind of all come into, into fruition, those of us who are busy making projects in town need to be ready to capitalize on that have all our relationships in place with Los Angeles and points beyond, you know, wherever stories and money needs to come from. Cause let's face it, it's not all going to come from San Diego. Like nope. we can't expect yeah. San Diego to finance, you know, hundred million dollar films. It's not going to happen. Well, actually I was at, um, in, you know, late September, there was actually early September, correct me. Um, there was a film festival in La Costa, mm-hmm. La Costa film festival. And they had some, you know, well-known producers over there. Kathy Shulman, mm-hmm. uh, you probably know her from Crash. Uh, she mm-hmm. used to be the pre- president of Mandalay Pictures. Right. Uh, Mike Tolan, he did Wild Hogs. He did a host of other films. But they were there, and they had a pitch fest. And they actually picked up five films from San Diego creators. No one way. Of which, yeah. One what? of which actually won the prize that they're developing. I forget the name of the project. But it was a very young girl. She was pitching a TV series. And, you know, it, you'd think, ah, oh, you know. Man, it, where but, was I that weekend? But that, it was, I mean, that weekend, <laughs> you actually got some, some real players mm-hmm. huh. to come down to San Diego. For a La Costa Film it's Festival? It's called the La Costa Film Festival. I'm sure they, they had, this is like their Did third they honor Did they honor John C. McGinley at that? Yeah, they did. Oh, I was there. See, if they get a name. We we actually tried to figure out how to coordinate trying to get him on the podcast while he was in town, but his schedule was too tight. If you're listening. (sighs) I'm sure if you tweet out to John, then I'm sure Nancy or someone will find a way to get on the podcast. (laughs) Oh. But, um, But yeah, I mean, you know. uh, it, It was great because it, again, allowed local talent with, you know, material to go pitch for real Hollywood producers. Right. You know, pitching in a room, you hear a lot of stories, but there's nothing like actually being in a room and pitching to a producer. Right. Because, you know, besides the energy that you build up, having these meetings with these people, um, you're on point. You know. Mm -hmm. And if you're really, you'll know also if you're really passionate about your project because they can hear it. Mm -hmm. They can't hear it. Get it. Right. <laughs> Go back to the drawing board. Yeah. That's How about you, kind haul. sir? Do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, You've been no, quiet I'm, over I'm, here. I'm enjoying the conversation. <laughs> I have nowhere to cut in, really. Um, there okay. is one. Is Hi, that, David. Hey, how's it going? Um, you know, I, I'm i kind of in the middle ground. I'm from Orange County. Wow. So Whereabouts? Uh, Westminster, Huntington Beach area. Yeah, sure. You yeah. know, so kind Staying of. in space that neither party ha- likes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> AKA no man's land. And so I got to find out, you know come down here or go up there all the time. Uh, you know, it's, it's been really interesting kind of jumping into the San Diego pool mm. and seeing that there is a lot of work. There is a lot of stuff happening down here, you know. Uh, is there nothing going on in Orange County except for industrials? and? They shoot a lot of um, 
or they did a lot of CSI Miami actually in did Huntington. They? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Actually, I got to see one of the, uh, hmm. I guess, cars fly off into our local lake. It was pretty cool. Okay. So, I mean, they do a lot of shooting, but in terms of production, no. Okay. None. Just no. location stuff. Right? Just location yeah. stuff. Exactly. Yep. Um, you know, I went to Cal State Long Beach for film and graduated two years ago mm. with an emphasis in directing. And, you know, I've met Angie along the way. And she's brought me on to a couple of projects that she's been doing. Sure. And, you know, like I said earlier, it's interesting to kind of see all of this hustle and bustle down here that we don't hear about up there. And what you, and I'm just listening to what you guys are saying that you got to make sure that you have all of your stuff in place so that when they come down or like when it starts coming ducks in the row, exactly. Mm -hmm. Because that's the one thing is nobody wants to hold, nobody wants to hold someone else's hand on how to go through it, you Mm -hmm. know? So I feel part of the problem maybe is, up there, the north, the south. The, <laughs> um, Wait, um, this sounds familiar. Yeah. It didn't go so well for the south the last yeah. time. No, it did no. not. Um, you know, they, it, I, I don't know. It just seems like they're, they're, the sad part is there's not a lot of conversation happening. You know, um, mm-hmm. it's kind of almost just like if we have a shoot in San Diego, we grubble because it's like, I got to drive down to San Diego. Mm. But, you know, now kind of being involved down here and meeting a lot of talented individuals. It's just like what Angie said. There's a lot of great people down here that, you know, kind of up there, they need to put, you know, put their glasses on and take a look. It's literally our backyard, you know, even like we're not even, you know, two hours at the max, Mm -hmm. you know, and beautiful locations as well. That's a whole nother thing. Beautiful locations that haven't been shot a lot. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Similar to Los Angeles, looks wise, you know, but mm-hmm. but a lot of untapped, untouched, unseen before versions of the same sorts of looks. I remember. I remember. Uh, I was in the Oceanside Film Festival, and there was cool. a uh, there was a short film where they just shot out kind of in the mountains and the boonies of San Diego, and I had no idea where oh, it was. Maybe Julian somewhere, yeah. you know, somewhere like that. Yeah, um, Alpine, Alpine, yeah. maybe Alpine. But, you know, we, I asked them where they shot and they said, oh, it's about like an hour or two east of here, sure. of Oceanside yeah. or something like that. And I was like, it looks yeah, so it's completely Some place off the 78 going out to Borrego. <laughs> it's like Afghanistan, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, and that's the type of, you know, stuff I feel audiences want. Yeah. You know, they want to see new locations because, you know, when you go on the, to the – back lot of any studio in terms of like New York space, you're like, I've been here before, but yeah. this is like my first time here, you know? And so we're starting to, I feel as an audience, we're becoming more and more educated with our locations, you know, and yeah. it's, we can kind of start picking stuff out when we see it. Well, I think it's some of it's that change in just the sheer quantity of stuff people can watch. Like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, you had progressively fewer stations to see anything on, mm-hmm. You didn't have so many movies on a DVD or now streaming available to you. Mm-hmm. The more that people have that they can watch on a regular basis, the more they're going to start going, oh, I saw that place before. I'm like, oh, that, that's, that's some New York City backlot somewhere. Because <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I've seen that on Friends and I've seen that <laughs> yeah. on Seinfeld and I've seen that on, you know, whatever. That cafe shop. You know, yeah, <laughs> it, just, it just all starts mm-hmm. to blend together. It's like, mm-hmm. so, you know, it doesn't always work. Lose its magic. Studios are great. And we need one. Yes. <laughs> you know, down desperately here. Desperately do. But uh, 
But you can't do everything in a studio. You still have to have some locations, locations. and you still have to it, 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 bring some all, reality into yeah. it. You know? there, there, yeah, two two features that came out recently uh, that uh, it bugged me that it wasn't filmed in San Diego. Well, Anchorman 2. There was some scenes, but not enough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but really, uh, American Sniper. Because a lot of those mm. scenes would have or did take place on Coronado Island. And you can clearly tell it's not Coronado. Uh, the scene where he meets his wife and I did research it. They actually met at McFadden's downtown, mm. uh, but there's also that McPee's on Coronado Island, uh, known as a squid bar or seal bar or whatever. It would have been nice to have some kind of production down here. And I think last spring, wasn't uh, the last ship supposed to come down here too? No, the last ship actually did film. They did, okay. they did coordinate with a couple of the bases mm. and they actually um, put out open calls. Cause I think uh, I went to one. Yeah. yeah. And uh, but it was just a little bit. It wasn't, it wasn't no. much. It wasn't a major. Where no. like maybe a I lot of you know some. the just you know establishing shots with the military on sure. the ship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know nothing really you know meet substantial like uh, you know, no battles. No, yeah. nothing that that you'd really like. Oh, I remember that. And that, yeah, yeah. I, I love that show, but you know they spent almost all of the second season supposedly off the coast of New Orleans. Oh, really? And it's like. Where are those mountains from? (laughs) Like I couldn't help it. Every time I watch, I'm like, why does it look like you're off the coast of Santa Barbara? (laughs) I can see Catalina Island. (laughs) Like New New Orleans is lower than the water. (laughs) Like, come on. Well, I mean, a good thing that's happening is, um, you know, all these tax credits and stuff that Mm. New Orleans and Louisiana, they're starting to cap it. Mm-hmm. So they're mm-hmm. starting to put limitations, which of course is why so, last ship wasn't shooting that stuff off the coast of New Orleans. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, so that's I a, mean, that's okay. <laughs> that, well, that's kind of good for us because now it puts us into the running of certain things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, right now the biggest contender in terms of, you know, filming is Georgia because, you know, incentives in Georgia mm. are fantastic. But again, you know, supply and demand. You know, if everybody's running to Georgia trying to claim their tax credits, I mean, how many people are they going to actually have to do the production work over there? Right. Even if they did have a studio that they did create. Right. It's mean, finite resource. Only right. so many things can be produced in any one town. Even Los Angeles. There's exactly. yeah. only so much that can be produced there. Right. So, I mean, that that's always good news for us. So, Angie, uh, what do... I'm curious to know what uh, where, where, where you're from. How about that? <laughs> oh, I am from New York. New York. All right. You're an yeah. East Coast lady. I'm from Rhode Island, so I'm an East Coast oh, okay. guy too. Yeah. Cool. Did you get into the industry in New York? I um, So I uh, went to school at NYU. Oh, nice. And uh, I left NYU thinking that film was definitely not a good choice for oh. employment. Really? Okay. It's not. Uh, <laughs> well, you know. That hasn't uh, changed. <laughs> It's still true. You know, for my family, you know, film isn't lucrative. You know, I, I had a lot of great ideas, you know, I was, you know, wanting to be a script writer. Mm-hmm. You know, I had some great idols, but yeah, when, when I left, when I graduated, the bills really started. Uh, Did I make the right choice? (laughs) You know, and I ended up going into, you know, just like most film students that leave college and kind of have second thoughts about what they really want to do. I was doing everything. I was doing retail. I was doing sales. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, 
what, what was ironic is that I ended up the real working. meat of the industry sales, right? Yeah, well, I ended up working <laughs> being a waiter. For, the real meat of any industry. Yeah. I mean, I ended up getting into the Music Land Group, so I was working for you know Sam Goody. Mm. Oh, cool! If you guys know what I Sam remember Goody Sam Goody, back in the days of Warehouse. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So I went into that entertainment retail mm-hmm. and. Uh, and then I kind of gave up on it a little bit because it's just like why I went and I paid like at that point it was like a hundred thousand plus to go to NYU, and I'm working at a Suncoast <laughs> Sam Goody. I mean, it's just it, what what it's heartbreaking, are they doing? Right? Yeah, it's like, yeah. huh? <laughs> you I'm know, you so, small print at the bottom of your diploma. Yeah, it's like um, I was a theater major at Baylor. And after two years there, I looked around and went, what am I going to do with a theater degree? Uh, like, you know, right. like, I, I'm, am I going to go to New York and like work on Broadway as what? Like a lighting guy making minimum wage? <laughs> yeah, you kind of, I mean, uh, you think about it. hell with this. I left school. Right. <laughs> went went to work in concerts and stuff and had a ball through my 20s, like traveling the country and enjoying myself. And, right. What, what production company was that? Or uh, I, I was uh, I was freelance for a whole bunch of it, and uh, but initially I was with Very Light. Um, they're, they're a robot lighting company. They were like the first robot. robotic lighting company. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay, you know, all the moving lights yes. and changing yeah. colors and gobos. Like robotic lighting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, awesome. yeah. Um, auto- Robots. Where's that? Automated <laughs> lighting your systems. Lights, your, your, your eyes light up there when it's a robot. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they were. That's essentially what they were. They had little brains and, you know, they did specific functions. And <laughs> you had to take very specific courses to work on them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I did all I did all that for a while, and somewhere around 2000, I was like, eh, I can't travel the road forever. Right. <laughs> you know, not, reality, not like in. this. You know, I can't yeah. spend 280 days a year on the road. Um, as much as I love traveling, uh, you know, so I went uh, went back to junior college and brushed yeah. up on my radio and television skills, and been at this most of the time. I was hoping you're going to say brushed up on your theater skills. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Although I do miss the theater. I like theater. Um, something about the live production. Yeah. Something about that, that feeling you get with a, with a theater troupe, you know, it's like a little family and somehow always felt tighter than any film group oh, I've yeah. ever been in. You know, I think it's just because we all just want to, you know, just the way it works. Climb our way do, over. You, you have a theater background? No, oh. no, no, no. no. <laughs> no. But I, I in high school, I worked closely with the theater, being part of the media program, and right. mm-hmm. we we're all part of an arts program. And so, like, I totally, you know, they're 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 a unit, you know. Yeah, and it's well, everybody's sleeping with everybody, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I yeah, I love theater. I just I don't know. I can't see myself doing it as a full time thing. Yeah. Uh, I much prefer working on film and television and podcasting because I also like tech. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a bit of a gearhead when it comes to tech. So film's more suited for that. Yeah. You know, cameras, sound, lights, you know, everything is more geared to that than theater. (laughs) A lot of theaters you walk in, the lighting systems are 30 years old. Yeah. (laughs) Especially community theater. You walk in, it's like, you guys need help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the reason why I asked where you work, because I, when I was kind of graduating high school and kind of 
I freelanced for a like lighting company where I just did staging lighting, mm-hmm. ran their camera for them. So I was just curious. I did I did some stuff with a group called Southwest Showtech mm-hmm. here in town, um, and I spent the better part of two or three years working with a company called Gold Coast Audiovisual out I of North I, County. I think yeah. Um, they're the ones that I spent a lot of time on the road with because I drove their trucks as well as doing the shows. So that, and actually, I really love that. But it was driving on the road. Um, I spent a lot of time driving at night and pulling into truck stops and rest stops in the middle of the country, you know, right. BFE, sometimes the only vehicle in the rest stop. And it's terrifying. And so yeah. it a, wears on you. A story started to gestate in my mind. <laughs> and, uh, Cuckoo, cuckoo. Well, no, I got I got really interested in this idea of a serial killer who does oh. all their killing at rest stops, you know. Mm. And so I started to have this idea. I was like, oh, I could see it as a film. We have a confession. Bring him in. And that, <laughs> yeah, but right. that's actually what pushed me back into school um, to get back into film and to learn how to kill people. <laughs> to learn how to shoot a movie about somebody who killed people. Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> but uh, but it's it's funny. That's what motivated me to get hmm. back into school and into the filmmaking side of things. But I still haven't shot that movie yet. I just, in the last year, finally wrote the opening scene. That's awesome. But <laughs> it's those things that like cook up here for a long time that turn out really good. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm I'm super happy with what I've written so far. I've, I've done like five drafts on it at this point. Um, and the, and the rest of the story is starting to finally material kind of come yeah. together and how I'm going to approach it. But and where'd you go to film school? Well, I went to Palmer Ooh, Whose podcast is this? Sorry. All right. Well, I'm just curious. <laughs> this is the way it works. This is He's a interviewing you now. Yeah. yeah. It's well, a conversation. No, I'm, I'm interested. Um, I don't know. I'm curious. Coming from a theater background and kind of being like, uh, there's no point in this. You decided to go to film school. <laughs> <laughs> to be clear, I didn't go to film school. True. <laughs> I went to a junior college where I spent very little money getting an education that allowed me to turn around and start doing my own thing. And really what it is, is like, I don't mind not making money as long as it's on my terms. Right. So I don't want to go work minimum wage for some other person. Mm-hmm. I will work skin to the bone on a project that I'm barely making any actual money on. But doing what you love. But I'm the guy mm-hmm. in charge and I'm the guy pulling the shots for myself. You know you're That's in the okay. right percep- uh, you you know you're in the right profession when you work 12 hours and it was like where to go. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Wait, I, I I I actually I was talking to Jody a couple nights ago and John Freeman um and uh we were just talking about how this is a crazy industry like what other job would you do for free? voluntarily for Like free. I, I worked on a, recently an episode of uh, of Jordan Hates. Uh I did it for 16 Oh, with Jordan Jacobo. Jordan Jacobo, you know the guy. Yeah, he was on the podcast uh, just a few hours ago. He's a good guy. He's a funny guy. Uh, but um, yeah, so uh, but the, we were on set for 16 hours that day. Oh, and I didn't even think about like yeah. overtime or money. I'm just like, I'm having fun. Like I'm tired. I'm cranky, but I'm having fun. <laughs> Hopefully there's fruit snacks. What's that? Was there fruit snacks? Uh, yeah, I think there were some fruit roll-ups or something like ah. that. But they were expired. Ah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Way to sell it, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Always judge a set by its crafties. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's that my general rule of thumb. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We try to make sure we always have <laughs> like the 48s, like Teresa makes like homemade chili for everybody mm-hmm. the first night. You guys get little Costco. You guys did the 48 hour down here? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. We, do it here also. Oh, we did. I've been doing it three years or no. 
This will have been my fourth year in Los Angeles. Mm, okay. Yeah, we've been oh. doing it four years. So you watched our San Diego team win the last two years. Oh, you guys. Not our. The, our, our community. Our community. <laughs> the, amal- awesome. the amalgamated grommets because, are from San Diego. Because there's this like San Diego division, there's a Los Angeles division, and then there's like a California. I don't know how it necessarily works past that. Well, the 48 is like 70 cities around the world. Okay. And then, I, yeah, all the tops of each city go then towards go the Then go to Filmapalooza together. Yeah. And San Diego has San one Di- one. The, the San Diego team, the Amalgamated Grommets, has won the Los Angeles competition twice like the last two years. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. They won the San Diego version four of the previous five years. And then they were like, well, we're going to go compete in L.A. And that way all our team can like participate with all the other teams in San Diego and kind of spread us around. So, good guys, you know. 48 is a lot of fun. So it's a lot it is fun. a lot of fun, and it's it's one of those interesting things because it's like it's a pressure cooker, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. everybody talks about what a crazy schedule it is. But really, in television, you're shooting that many pages in a day or two anyway, especially so to hit, to hit a yeah. TV schedule. You I know? mean, we're talking eighteen, twenty-four pages. You got to turn it around within a week, mm-hmm. and that's including rehearsal, everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not yeah. fun. So it's really it's in some ways just a kind of like barometer of if you can actually hang. Yeah. <laughs> you have, have you done one, Angie? Forty eight? No. No. Yeah, it's not for everyone. It's like not for me. I mean, I, you know, since I've taken this on as as a job, mm-hmm. I like to spend if I don't have to do it then I kind of take my bricks from it. Like for my birthday, I literally shut myself down. Ah. I literally walked away from the film industry and I said, I am not here. Do not call. Do not text. I'm gone. I'm learning how important um, that is. And, Checking out <laughs> for your birthday. What did you do for your birthday? I went to Malibu. We oh, went nice. to uh, Paradise Cove where uh, Gidget. Starkland. Mm-hmm. Tony Star- Starkland. That's Tony right. Starkland. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> just tried to, you know, shut down. Keep it out, yeah. you know, spend some time at the beach looking at whales and seeing paddle yeah. boarders. Yeah. I actually took a year off and like learned how to sail. Oh, that's awesome. Traveled around the country, sailed in Mexico a little bit. You're like, I'm tired of driving on the <laughs> roads. I want to take the ocean. No, this was actually, <clears throat> it was a combination of things. I had been pursuing our film business for a while. We'd made What's the Vig. Um, it was a couple of years after what's the sort big. Of. My dad died. Mm. My dad was my business partner. And, oh, I see. Um, mm. And uh, he died. And I was kind of struggling with figuring out what my life is without him around. And uh, then my girlfriend broke up with me and I was like, okay, you know what? Fuck this. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> I need to go reset the battery Peace. a little bit. Right. So, yeah. So, away, so, away, so, away. so I, I did. I, I went and like my dad and I had always talked about learning to sail. Like he knew how to sail, but me learning how to sail. And then we would go like take a trip around the awesome. world together and write scripts and explore all these amazing places around the world. And we would use that to educate the stories that we would tell. And so I initially set out to do that, like a trip around the world. Didn't get that far, <laughs> but I traveled all over the country, uh, both by train and by boat. And like I said, I sailed into Mexico. That's cool. Um, and I had like these amazing experiences for a year and it really kind of recharged me and reset me a little bit. And then I, I came back home and, uh, yeah, here we are. <laughs> well, I, think, I think, I think that's really important. 
Dave, because, I mean, seriously, people think they always got a gun at it all the time. They have to do 24-7. And something as simple as just, you know, taking a break, yeah. you know? You uh, have to take care of yourself. Right. And that's, I mean, I know a ton of entertainment people that are just, like, they have heart conditions. They have, you hmm. know, they have, they have really bad smoking habits because, I mean, they're always, you know, going at it. Mm-hmm. And they don't. I mean, even these celebrities uh-huh. take time away. You know, um, a lot of actors, they'll work maybe up from, from January up until August. And then they'll take a break. Mm-hmm, They're yeah. gone for the holidays. And then they have their schedule set for the next year. But they always set time. Even Mark Wahlberg, you know, he's producing, he's doing acting. But he always finds time to step away. Mm. I mean, you're just going to go nuts. Hang with his yeah. family. They can you afford know? it. Yep, there's that. No, okay, so so a statement about I, that. I will I will say this. I traveled around the country without a dime in my pocket. Yeah. You if you really want to do it, you can do it. No, you're not gonna be like living at the French Riviera or anything like that, but if you really want to do it, you can. Yeah, I volunteer crewed on other people's boats. I found a dozen different boats to to crew on around the country and um you know, I took the train. Across the country, I had a little bit of money, so I spent. It was like a one month pass to travel around the country. Mm. It was like seven hundred dollars. Yeah, I rode. I rode with the regular people. I didn't get the sleeper car, you know, <laughs> but but it was like sitting in a first class airline seat. You know, it was like really comfortable and right. fine. I got to meet all kinds of people on the oh, train, yeah. which was incredible. And I did bring a little video camera with me and I was blogging from the, from the road and from the, from the boats, from the rails, and, you know, and, uh, had a really great time, you know, and it was great. It was like the best thing for me. And I don't know, it might be time for another, trip. <laughs> 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 but, uh, but you're right. It's like this crazy business, this wacky life that we all lead, can be so consuming. And I know a lot of us have a hard time putting it aside. Like we come home and we're writing and we're still making phone calls and we're answering texts and emails until three in the morning. And, you know, cause somebody we know is on set working <laughs> until three in the morning and, right. you know, we're going to talk to them until we pass out. You know, and it's just like, and then you wake up. Then you drop the phone on your face and wake up. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and you wake up in the morning and you start my it all over again. Attacks it, just, me. it just never stops. I fall asleep you know? with it on my chest. It's very, very hard because by and large, most of us are working for ourselves. We're not working yeah. in a studio or at an office. You know, my edit machine is right next to my bed. <laughs> That's dangerous. You know, it's like, I'm only sleeping when the computer's rendering something, you know, it's like, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I only sleep like three hours a day anyway, but you know, those three hours, they're best at a certain period of time, not necessarily when it's best for the edit, but you know, that, the edit right there, I'm just going to work and work and work and work and forget that I'm supposed to go to bed. Uh, it re- what you kind of said, remind me of a documentary I watched. I believe it's on YouTube. It's called who needs sleep. Mm-hmm. Have you guys heard of it? No, mm-hmm. it's a documentary about the film industry mm. and the horrible sleeping patterns that we were put through. And it was really educational and really opened my eyes to, you know, really kind of as a, as a director and, you know, being involved heavily with production and all that, really making sure that we have adequate turnaround times and, you know, adequate type of driving situations because like, Oh yeah, it's a 12 hour day. 
But Ugh. with driving, sometimes it'll turn into an 18-hour day. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah. the documentary talks about like all the people who've lost their lives, sadly, like on the way home. Yeah, driving you know. tired. I, I literally think driving tired is probably worse than driving high or drunk because it's just you're checked out. You know, I used to work a midnight shift and I'd be like, mm. oh my God, this is so dangerous. Yeah. And, and so I would recommend that to like you guys, yeah. or, you know, anyone to, to check out who needs sleep if mm-hmm. they want to be. I've been slightly in a bit of an insomniac since like the third grade. So that'd be terrifying. You know, I, <laughs> oh, I don't. Third uh, grader. <laughs> my parents hated it, man. Like yeah. they put me to bed at, you know, seven o'clock, like it's other normal kids, you know, and I'd be pounding around in the room like till <laughs> two in the morning. <laughs> Go to bed. I'm not sleepy. <laughs> you know, but I ended up figuring out if I just laid down at midnight and kept quiet, then they'd be asleep by one. And then I could get up around two o'clock and just walk out to the den and watch TV and enjoy, you know, early morning television. There was only like 12 channels on cable at that point. <laughs> so it was... <laughs> <laughs> wasn't a lot to choose from, but Robotech came on at 4 a.m. Oh, Robotech. Yeah. <laughs> and so I loved me some Robotech. Your robot life. <laughs> you know, and then that was followed by like Transformers and a couple other shows. But yeah, my dad would wander out every once in a while. He's like, what the hell are you doing? I'm like, I'm watching Robotech. <laughs> it's Robotech. Like, this is amazing. Oh, gosh. You know, I'm, so. I'm just pulling up your IMDb. You're primarily a producer. Yes. So if you're at a party, that's so you, that's what you introduce yourself as. Well, I mean, my my goal is producing. Okay. I mean, I may have done other things. Like I said, I, you know, I did publicity for a little bit. Okay. And, for but, any local talent or? Um, oh, you can't say? Yeah. Is that how it works? Because <laughs> you rep them? Okay. Well, because it's right. a thing about a publicist that people don't understand is just, you know, we're there to service, you know, we're, we're there to help promote them. We're mm-hmm. there to protect their image. And, ah, okay. You know, it. You you have to yeah. if you're if you really are a publicity professional, yeah. you really need to make sure that your client is you know held in always held in the highest regard because mm-hmm. the trouble happens is when they do things like uh, throw people get through glass tra- tables and get drunk Twitter and then, stupid stuff. You know, I feel for the publicist for Miley Cyrus for Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> you have ah. no idea what these guys go through. Uh, pretty sure they've been right. replaced or quit or something, right? Well, it's it's a tough job, you yeah. know? I mean, we talk about, you know. It's a thankless job because when they right. do their job right, the glory is all about the client. Well, it's kind of like You know, producers. like the client is famous because the client's famous. It's not entirely true. You know, right. the PR people behind them got them there, but. Then if it, the PR stuff doesn't work, it's all the PR person's right. fault and has nothing to do <laughs> well, with the client. You, you, know? can, you can also equate that to a producer because, I mean, you guys as mm-hmm. filmmakers, yeah, you know, you're also in the limelight too because you're the director or you're the script writer. But if you're just a producer. Mark's moving into producing. This. Okay. I, I am. am so sorry. <laughs> really? I'm, uh, yeah, maybe. Remember, <laughs> you, you, I mean – this is one thing I always tell people when they ask me about producing. Talk about producing. Well, producing is you are the one that's making the opportunities. Yeah. You are paving the way for everybody else. But that means that you are going to be the first person to set foot on virgin ground. Mm. So that carries a lot of responsibility. Yeah. You get burned first. Yeah, Jody, Jody Silly, I told you that. Yeah, yeah. you said that recently. Uh, Jody Silly said to me, a week or two ago, she's like, I really think of you more as a producer than a director. And I panicked. I'm like, 
please don't say that. <laughs> don't say that. What'd you call me? <laughs> like, no, 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 no. My identity is all about being a director. I, I only produce so that I can like make right. some movies, you know, like yeah. I don't want to be a producer. Like I am a producer reluctantly, <laughs> you know, just, and, and just a lot of people I gotta are get put in that done, position, you know, you know because, because I haven't found somebody to be my producer. You know? It's I, because it's tough. Mm-hmm. You know, it, you know, I mean, I can't even begin to tell you what David and I go through day after day. <laughs> How long have you guys been collaborating for? Probably a year and a half. Now. A year, a year and, and a half. half. Oh, okay, cool. You know, and, um, you know, it, it, it's definitely a privilege, but it is also a thankless job because in the end, who gets the limelight? Usually the director and the actors. Mm. So you get that best picture Oscar. Yeah. And yeah. always the producer. Yeah. yeah, but then it's a different kind of recognition. It's not that you can make an award-winning picture. It's like, oh, so you can get this done because you can get the money and the distribution. <laughs> yeah. Not necessarily that you can, you know, put together an award-winning picture. Yeah. Well, so. I actually I actually think that one of the things San Diego needs desperately right now are real producers, not people like myself who just like scramble to make our movie happen. Mm. Like people who are actually dedicated to figuring out that business side of making film. Like we don't have very many of Hollywood relationships. That is a big part of what's missing. I think in the equation down here right now, they're here. That's what people don't understand. There are producers here, but there are a lot of them that are quiet. Well, and that's, then that's, that's the not thing. working. Right. I mean, it's, and <laughs> yeah. I think they're not doing their yeah. jobs. I don't know who they are. And, um, and, and I have projects that need those kinds of services. And I, I know think, a lot of filmmakers in town who need those kinds of services. They need the producers in town to step up and say, Hey, we want to help you make your film. Like, I don't know where to go find them. Is there a field somewhere where they're no, growing out of poppy seeds? <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Oh, my goodness. They're in East County. <laughs> no, I mean, the, the thing The thing is, you know, like we talked about, you know, it, it, it's a matter of bringing some structure. You know, we're, we're already making those strides to make those things happen. Mm-hmm. And then maybe those people that are hiding in the shadows, just watching will pop out and, you know, help Boom. out. But... You know, <laughs> that's the thing. Boo. I mean, why are you waiting? Yeah. What are they waiting for? I, I, I mean, I, I can't answer that. I don't know. Um, you. They're waiting for you. <laughs> I'm here, bitches. <laughs> Bring it on. Intellectual podcast. That was but, your call. <laughs> let's make some shit happen. But, you know, uh, you know it, that, that is, that is a big major concern is that, you know, um, you know, me personally, and I don't, think a lot of people share my view but i feel that a lot of people sit and wait mm-hmm. they do the sit and wait thing and i know i understand because it's less risk you know especially well, it's, safe. it's a safe option yeah everybody defaults to the safe option but this is an industry where the safe option does not make you a killer film yeah ever or, or a podcast or a podcast you exactly know? you got to take a risk when i started this podcast everybody's like really Who's going to listen to you? I'm like, I don't fucking care. <laughs> you know, like right. I'm tired of listening to Chris Hardwick have all these interviews with amazing and interesting people. I want to do it too. Right. You know, so I'm just going to go do it. Well, do you know anything about doing it? No, but I'll figure it out. <laughs> you know? School of hard knocks, they call it, right? Yeah, you got to get up and do it. You got to do the thing that everybody else tells you you can't. Hey guys, sorry to interrupt the podcast right in the middle like this, but you know, somebody's got to pay the bills every once in a while. You got to run some kind of ad. But, you know, this is a cool ad. It's a, it's, a, it's a product that I 
uh, firmly believe in, Steve Schwartz also firmly believes in, we're both subscribers, it's Audible. You can get almost any book that you want at Audible, and you can play it on your mobile device, you can play it uh, anytime that you want to listen to an audiobook. Uh, off your tablet, off your iPhone, off your Samsung Galaxy, whatever, Nexus 7, Android, Marshmallow, whatever phone. Uh, Audible can be played on all of them. You download the app, uh, you sign up uh, for the free trial that we're offering, thanks to Audible. You go to audibletrial.com slash IXE, you'll get a one month free trial, access to over 100,000 uh, titles in their library. You get one free download of a book, which you get to keep. It's no obligation. If you don't like what you're getting, just cancel before the trial membership is up and you won't get charged. And you'll get to keep your book forever. But I have a feeling once you get your first book, you'll go ahead and keep going because Audible books are awesome. So go to audibletrial.com slash IXE and get your one month free trial and your free book today. And now let's get back to the intellectual podcast. No, and it's, it's all those, all those things that those people say, you know, is it takes that certain special someone, you know, to take the initiative and do it. And I think that's, you know, one of the, one of the biggest things that separates everyone or people who work in this industry generally are those types of individuals where they're like, you know what, this seems impossible. I'm going to work a 16 hour day, you Mm -hmm. know, I, you know, I'm going to start this podcast by myself and, you know, get it started. It's. You know, like you said, the 48-hour film festival, it's it's a grindstone. Like, literally, it literally churns people out. You're like, you're not cut out for this. Like, you don't have... <laughs> well, Mark says he's retired from it. He's done doing it. Yeah. yeah you say that at the but- end of every... Like, at the end, you're like, oh, I'm done. Oh, never again. But next year, you're like... Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Even number of years, I, I retire. I retired in 2010, retired 2012. Like Came out of retired. My group of friends. 2014, though. We're all the same way. It's over. Like, oh, well... We'll never do it again. And then, like, we get the email yeah. saying, oh, registration's up. And we're all excited. And, you start yeah. watching all the other teams sign up. And you're like, yeah. oh, they're they're back in. They're back in. Oh, we got, I we can do better them than them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We, we're, what, like seven, eight months away from that? More than that, probably, right? Well, we got four points in just a couple of weeks. Yeah, that's true. It's different than the 48. It's the 77-hour film project, 77? Right? The four it? points film project. It's from the same people. It's oh. part of the 48-hour yeah. film project family of competitions but 77 hours is, is it at 77 yeah it's friday 7 p.m to monday midnight and uh 200 Two, teams yeah, only worldwide all compete the same weekend wow that's yeah. fun so it'll be interesting it'll be fun where do you find that uh four points film project.com okay yeah <laughs> now you have a contender I mean, I doubt I could drag my friends into it after just kind of (laughs) finishing the 48, like what, a month ago? No, I I don't know. There's five teams from San Diego in that bundle of 200 at this point. Is there? Yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. I thought there was only us and another one. No, it's uh, Roman Koenig, Susan Davis, uh, Jay, and Rebel Kids, and us. Yeah. Oh, shit. (laughs) You know? Um, you know, and then kind of going back and talking about, you know, having the initiative and doing all that and facing the obstacles. Uh, one of my other jobs is I teach at my high school I graduated from. Oh, cool. Uh, I teach the students just student filmmaking. I did that for nice. a couple of years. And I, <laughs> I, I, told, I tell them, like, the only way you can get better at this is by failing. 
Yeah. Spielberg didn't yeah. wake up and make Jaws, or he, you know, he didn't wake he up did and not. just do he made Back Duel. to the Future. Yeah, yeah. he made Duel, <laughs> um, and, and so you know, he made a lot of mistakes on Duel, <laughs> especially well, when you watch the European version of the film that went out. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy, <laughs> she knows the story. So <laughs> you know, the only way you can get better at it is just by failing. Yep. You know, because like those forty-eight hour and seventy-seven hour projects, you literally get grinded mm. and twisted and turned, and you learn you know, from those experiences. Well, I tell, I tell people when you're under that kind of pressure, you learn where all your shortcomings really are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, you you figure out if you're a weak writer, you figure out if you're not a very good director because you don't know how to manage the stress of the, the project, you know, Um, you figure out if you're a decent actor or not, because there's not a lot of time for rehearsal. There's not a lot of time to memorize lines. You know, all of that is a pressure cooker and, the more often you can put yourself through the pressure cooker, I think the more you can figure out the things that you need to work on and hopefully improve from. Yeah. My, uh, uh, my group of friends and I, like, you know, like I said, we've been doing it for four years. There's always a point on Friday when we're all together where I give a little speech of like, whatever happens this weekend, we're not friends. None of us are friends this weekend. (laughs) So anything that happens this weekend, it does not apply to us right now, Mm. you know? Yeah. and I always, good, rule, good rule of thumb. It, it's a, you know, it's important because for a lot of people, especially those doing 48 hours, maybe it's their first time, you know, or like they're fairly raw meat to the situation. They haven't learned to discern, you know, the mm-hmm. pressure of a film set with the individual you're working with, you know, because, you know, as humans innately, we think about our problems and we don't really realize they're going through the same thing. Yeah. Well, I think it's also just a, a lot of people don't have the ability to separate personal lives from business lives. Yeah. That's a big problem in the industry. And I can disagree with you on a business level about this particular thing. It doesn't mean that when we walk off this set that I'm still pissed at you, you know, like it's not personal. It's just, I'm making decisions about the film, you know, experienced that too, I guess. Well, it's, I mean, it, it doesn't, people think that when you get to a certain level that it stops, Mm -hmm. I mean, it gets worse, especially when you have names and egos involved. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, you have people that are like best friends off set. Mm-hmm. They get on set. They have a little mini spat about each other's habits mm. on, on set. And then you have this person. I can't talk to you for a month. So that's, that's, that's I mean, and, and, and the problem is, is that, Separate it's, that it's not like, you know, these are, yeah, again, I can't name names, but of these course. are two big names that you're just like. Oh, this is you'd you, think this is an actual story. Okay. Yeah. You'd think that at that level, things change. Yeah. No. The only thing that human changes, nature is human nature. Yeah. Human nature is human nature. And when you get, when you start building up in the film industry, the only thing that changes is the dollar amount. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The problems are still the same, but because more money, more problems, but it's still, you know, you're still dealing with the same thing. So if you, I mean, the great thing is if you can deal with that on a, on a micro budget level, then you can deal with it on a macro budget level. Right. That's the thing that people don't realize. They're like, oh, but you're just doing small, you don't get it. You really don't get it. If you can deal with these things, making a feature film, which is a feat in itself on a micro budget, when you get up there, cake, hmm. you know. Yeah. And it's actually going to be easier well, I think because now you got the money. Yeah, to I mess think it's around. one of the things that's helped my short films in the last seven or eight years is we made a twenty thousand dollar feature film here, right? That I spent a little over a year working on, you right? Because I I produced it, 
I uh, was the DP and I was the lead editor. You and know, an so, actor. Yeah, I cut my shit out. Um, <laughs> Extended version, please. Damien well, Ledger, right? Was that your role? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> God damn, really? I'm the only fan of What's the Vig. <laughs> you're the only fan of What's the you're, you're our number one fan. <laughs> That's why sales increased. Yeah, but going it's, through it's, that it's process, like if you look at the films that I made before that and the films that I made after that, there was kind of a just a, a plateau of where I was at structurally and and as a director and as a writer leading up to what's the vig and then all of the things that we went through on what's the vig the arguments about story the arguments about scene structures the arguments about how to shoot stuff having audio problems and then having to figure out how to do ADR without ever having done ADR before. And it really sucks in that movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's why you, you started know. a podcast to learn about ADR and stuff, right? <laughs> right, no, right, right. But you know, it, it just became this, this thing, like all the stuff that I learned in that year working on that feature film, you can see all the corrections to the mistakes that were in the feature right. and each successive short. Mm-hmm. Cause I mm-hmm. picked one thing that didn't work in the feature and we started working on all the little problems. Mm-hmm. So learn through failure. You know, yeah, exactly. Learn through failure. It, it is good to fail. My dad instilled that in me. Failing is fine. Failing means you're moving forward. Yeah, <laughs> if you're up. not failing means yeah. you're not doing anything and you're not doing anything means nothing's happening. Or you have a very large ego. <laughs> I didn't fail. But yeah, no, there is no failure here. <laughs> but you know, it's like, you know, what I tell all the students is just, you can't, you, if you if you watch what you've made and you're like I don't like this like I like when you start the whole editing process I'm sure there's certain points when you're editing your movie like oh I really don't like this I don't want to continue you have to get past that so you can look at the mistake like how can you finish the painting you know like if you don't finish the painting you can't see its flaws mm-hmm. right so mm, it, it, point, yeah. it it you you can't you yeah. know if you like just do the corner of the painting and you're like oh it's starting, perfect masterpiece it's, it's starting to look bad I don't want to continue yeah. that know? first rough cut of any movie is the hardest thing for me to get through because you're like how is this going to work <laughs> <laughs> it's like and I edit my own films at this point you know although four points will be the first time in a long time that somebody else is going to work on my edit but um, at your bedside. <laughs> no, no, no. He's gonna work. He's gonna work from his place. I'm gonna sit on the couch behind uh, him, you know, and just kind of keep an eye. But no, actually, I really want to learn from him because he's an amazing editor. But it, it, it's Mike Tao. It's so hard for me to sit down and go, okay, I spent all this time shooting all this crap, <laughs> you know. Now the jigsaw puzzle begins, you know. Let's piece it together and figure it out. That first rough cut is just always the hardest thing for and- me to get. And also, especially being a director editor, and I, I do it myself, we love certain things that we shot that when we piece it together just doesn't work. Or you like you know that there's like a better way to do it, but you're like, oh, I love this shot so much, though. I've gotten over that. Okay, good, good. <laughs> you know, and like I'm the first to throw shit out. I'm like, forget it. <laughs> my brother-in-law, who's my DP most of the time, is like, but there was this like amazing shot. I'm like, didn't work. Didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, well, can't we just see it? No, it doesn't work. It's just gone. I don't want to look at it. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Wasting time. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You got to kill your babies. Get through this thing. You got to kill your babies. Exactly. You got to kill the babies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, we talked about the, kind of your humble beginnings, I guess. Uh, what? Well, what go David. Ahead. David had. David really hasn't told him, and one oh. of the reasons why I picked him up. Yeah. Um, so this is interesting. How 
Oh, so you haven't heard the story. Well, well let's tell you the story then. There we go. <laughs> the one of the reasons No time why, like the present, um, right, David? <laughs> I picked David as, you know, one of the things I, I joke around with him. He looks like Bill Lawrence from mm. the creator of Scrubs. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. sure, yeah. Um, Cougar so that, Town? Yeah, Cougar okay, Town. Yeah. That's one sure. of the, the things. <laughs> but but the real thing was, um, you know, I saw some of his work. Uh-huh. And uh, he actually was one of... You know the top two hundred finalists for Project Greenlight. What year was oh, that? Oh wow! This past year. Yeah. Two, yeah. When they oh, re, they 14, started it up. Yeah. Fourteen, like, right? Fourteen. Yeah. yeah Fourteen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you know, the quality of work that I saw was definitely, you know, something that I wanted to foster and 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 kind of develop. You okay. know, one of the things, one of the things that producers do. That sounds dirty. <laughs> is uh you know try and you know farm talent yeah mm-hmm. you know they should be if they're trying to you know keep themselves in the game they look for talent everything from writing yeah acting you know they keep their eyes on stuff sure well david was one person that i'm just like hmm maybe he can put together a feature film nice <laughs> you know and we started collaborating and and sure enough you know that segued into King of Hollywood, which is the feature film I'm doing with oh. Mark Benjamin. Okay, yeah, I, th- uh, I know someone. Yeah, I've heard of it. What, what, what's the king? What is that about? Yeah. King of Hollywood is basically about a studio executive okay. who has had it with Hollywood and has okay. retired. He basically just got fed up and ran away. He didn't really run; he just left. Okay, and Mark Benjamin plays that part. And Mark Benjamin oh, plays okay. the role cool. of Ken Goldstein. Ken Goldstein and. Uh, the problem was is that he ends up getting pulled back in because uh, you know you never truly can get out of Hollywood, right? Okay, and uh, so and and there are some crazy like antics. <laughs> <laughs> he learns a little, he grows a little, yeah. you know. You know, nice. And and actually, David is directing that project. You're also. directing it. Oh, okay, cool. Who uh, did you? Who wrote it? Um, so write- Robert Cox. I don't know. He's a he's a writer in the community. Okay. Uh, the story was something I originated okay. from my crazy experiences in Hollywood. Oh, really? So, yeah, there's the tales a, of Angie, huh? There's there's stuff that's in there that's that's true, and you know, names were changed to protect the innocent. Sure. Oh, but okay. uh, yeah. but yeah, it's it's a nice crazy ride. It's pretty funny. You gotta grow that out just a little. I'm trying. Yes, yeah, <laughs> with stash. Yeah, it does. It will grow stash. if you pull on the stash. <laughs> that's cool. But, uh, Feature but yeah, film. All right. It's good. it's nice because I mean, there's a lot of things in there. There's also little lessons that people, you know, when you watch things like Legally Blonde, you know, those types of movies back then mm. you know they were entertaining movies but they also had some lessons behind it sure yeah. that's yeah. the whole thing about king of hollywood it's writing that goes back to those movies where you know you kind of sit down um you're entertained mm-hmm. you know the main point is to entertain if you get anything else out of it great but if you don't at the very least you leave a theater laughing yeah oh okay it's a comedy yeah. cool who, who uh who else is in it right now it's just mark benjamin oh okay all right gotcha. where are you gonna shoot it just say San Diego. <laughs> it's a, to be determined. Okay, that's fair. You know, <laughs> I, I don't want to. I don't want to commit people. We're to going anything. to Mexico. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, you probably but, get a sign made on a hillside down there. Fairly cheap. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Actually, we'll get it miniature. You know, <laughs> you with, with a with a drone. <laughs> It'll look the go. same. Yeah. 
a model. It's only one. Yeah. Have you guys ever seen, um, oh, what's it called? The Spoils of Babylon? Mm-hmm. Uh, I've heard of it. That's on um, Netflix. It's Netflix. On, it's yeah. on Netflix. Will Ferrell. Kristen Wiig. Uh, yeah. And um, uh, Spider-Man. Toby. Toby McGuire's yep. in it. But the thing is, is that the reason why I'm bringing it up is that they use models and stuff to do like the uh, <laughs> traveling scenes. Oh, so, but it's a movie that's supposed to be like super serious. And yeah. hundred percent dramatic, but you know, it is complete nonsense sure. because it's 160% dramatic. Yeah. It's just ludicrous. And okay. so I recommend it. It's right, hilarious. Check it out. They use yeah. models and you know, like yeah. little cars on sticks and stuff. Like Wes Anderson does that sometimes lately. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, except a lot worse, but on purpose. Okay, you know, for (laughs) for spoils of Babylon, (laughs) it's like sweeting. Um, (laughs) So we're we're at the point where we're going to need to start moving towards the the close of the episode. Um, We asked you guys to come here primarily or initially (laughs) um, to talk about demons. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm Um, what can you tell us about that? I know you're, you've got a crowdfunding campaign going on right now. Yep. Um, we are going to have the show up, uh, the next couple of days. So, oh, perfect. so okay. people can hear this mm-hmm. while that's still relevant. So the so. crowdfunding, I believe ends in seven. No, no, no. Yeah. Seven days, seven days. Seven mm-hmm. days. Our goal is 7,000. We're right now. So it'll at be five, November 1st? five days from November the time 1st. this goes. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. And our, uh, Goal is seven thousand. We're at five thousand right now. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it it's really good. So, Demons is a short narrative film about suicide prevention. Okay. And the reason why I really liked it and got behind it was because it's not a PSA. It's mm-hmm. not a public service amount, announcement saying suicide is bad. Mm-hmm. You know, it it's it uses the power of story and narrative to really reach into someone. You know, and kind of hand them a message of you know it's okay you know, you're not alone that, you know, you need to reach out to someone and talk to them. Um, you know, and the really nice part of the message that I liked is so, you know, it's at first a message to those struggling with suicide saying, Hey, you know, talk to someone. It's okay. You can talk to someone, you can open up. But then the flip side of the message is, you know, those who are confronted by someone mm-hmm. who talks about suicide or like they're dealing with suicidal thoughts and this and that is it's their responsibility to talk to the person and make sure that they seek the help that they need, Mm -hmm. you know, because a lot of the times when someone comes up to you, you know, and hopefully this, you know, you know, the whole point is to talk about it is that if someone comes up to you and says like, you know, I'm having suicidal thoughts and you're the Mm -hmm. one person I can talk to, you know, a lot of times people go, I don't want to hear this. I don't Mm -hmm. want to talk about it. Like, this is weird. I didn't see this from you. Which is totally the wrong response. Which, which is kind of, you know, what, causes the suicide to happen because like, I can't even go to this person to talk to them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's like I said, the reason why I really liked it is it uses narrative to tell that story Mm -hmm. rather than just like a PSA. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be probably between 10 to 15 minutes long. Mm -hmm. It's going to be filmed actually at Calcio Long Beach and San Diego. Nice. Got some production down here. Thank you. Yeah, right. No. <laughs> and uh, what else? Mm, you know, it's just, I'm trying to start a conversation about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We've all been affected by suicide in one way or another. We yeah. either had a relative or a friend of a friend or a friend, you know, and it's kind of strange how we've all been 
you know, mm-hmm. somewhat affected by suicide, and yet we don't talk about it. Well, I think it's a it's a common problem in our society is we just we don't talk about death, whether it's suicide or regular, you know, natural causes or whatever, old age. People just don't like to talk about death. It's almost like, oh, you know, peril-sensitive sunglasses. If I don't see the danger, it doesn't exist. (laughs) You know, it's like we have to get past that. We have to start having a narrative about death. It is part of life. Mm -hmm. There are only two things for sure in a life. Born and die. I can say death <laughs> you know? and taxes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can avoid your taxes. <laughs> As Lee Snipes can tell you that. <laughs> but, you know, but it, it is it is such a part of living is dealing with with people passing away. And, and I think we, we shy away from that so much. And I think that makes the whole conversation about suicide that much harder mm-hmm. because suicide feels like the unnatural death. You know, mm-hmm. like, a, like if I have a hard time talking to somebody about death to begin with we'll talk about the unnatural death is really uncomfortable so like you fuck off yeah Yeah. like unfortunately that just motivates it further it further along because that person already feels so alienated so alone that they feel like that that is an option for them Mm -hmm. you know but if they do take that moment to reach out god you better be ready to respond yeah you know, because you might be the only lifeline to them sticking around. Yeah, there was a really great story I read uh, a while back ago. Actually, it was about a, a young, like probably a teenager. He was walking on a bridge, mm-hmm. and he looked kind of ahead to him, and there was a man standing on the rail about to jump. And when he walked up to the man, he just said, "Are you okay?" You know, he didn't. You're like, "Are you okay?" He just simply asked him, "Are you okay?" And the man got down from the rail and just started sobbing. And that's all he needed. Yeah, that's all he needed. And human actually, connection. little human contact. And and actually, you know, the really cool part of the story is that the that man and that uh, teenager they have a relationship now where that man has a family. He has, you know, he, basically he has everything put together again because. He had a connection with someone. Mm-hmm. Just asking, "Are you okay?" And that's really all it takes all sometimes. It, yeah. Are you okay? Yeah. yeah. That's all it takes, yeah. I I, I don't know. Whenever, whenever I hear suicide like lately, I just automatically go to Robin Williams. Oh, I think yeah. that's just Awful. so tragic. Mm-hmm. It's just like mm-hmm. – like, and I heard a quote like uh, recently or something like um, – uh, it, it's not a quote. It's like a, I don't know, like a joker. I don't know. It's not even a joke. But here it goes like something like this. It's like uh guy, he's not feeling good. He goes to his doctor, says, I'm just really sad. I'm unhappy. I'm depressed. I feel isolated and lonely. Doctor says, you know what you should do? You should go uh, go to the circus. There's this clown and he entertains children and family and friends and makes them laugh and happy. He's like, you should go. You'll feel a lot better about yourself. And then uh, the guy goes, I know that clown. That clown's me. Mm-hmm. And then that's just, that's pretty much Rob Williams or like Chris Farley. I mean, he didn't commit suicide. He OD'd, but basically it's self-destructiveness. Yeah. Self-destruction. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. John uh, Belushi. Belushi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just bums me out when I hear that. It's just like yeah. Rob Williams, awesome career. Oscar winner, right? Oscar? Yeah, he won. Yeah. Uh, family, friends, beloved. He, he helped everything. people. Everything. Yeah. And then just to go out the way he did, just, uh, I mean, he had that show that was actually happening, The Crazy Ones, with mm. Sarah Michelle Geller. Mm-hmm. It had just been and, canceled, though. Yeah, it had just been canceled. But what was crazy is he had more people watching it and realizing the power of how good that show was. I mean, mm-hmm. I didn't really watch it until after it happened. And I saw it, and I'm like, why didn't they renew it? I, you, know, you know, I just, watched that show when it aired, and, and it always felt like 
for me, like Robin wasn't quite firing on all cylinders the way I was used to watching him. Do you think that stuff. in retrospect, though? And I, but I, I don't know if it's the structure. It was the structure of the show. Yeah. It was the co-stars he was acting with. It was the writing. There was something was Something off, about that show always felt just a little bit off mm. and not quite right. And some of it, I think, was Sarah Michelle Gellar trying to be funny, and I don't think she's just naturally Ooh. funny. No, she's a straight person. Yeah. Yes. So, so she was put into all these large antics opposite Robin, and she was supposed to be funny alongside him, and sure. I don't think it always worked. No, talk about being in the shadow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Being yeah. a large, looming shadow. Um, but, yeah, it, it just it sucks. I mean, and yeah. the other thing is, is that, you know, I think as a society, we're kind of starting to under – well – let me backtrack a little bit. Um, the first thing that we need to realize is depression is a mental, you know, condition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is a mental condition. Mm-hmm. Um, and in our society, we, we talk and teach that being sad is bad, which is, I think, very strange because it's a part of life. And that's actually why I really liked Inside Out. I don't know mm, if you guys saw I it. I loved Inside Out. It, it basically. So beautifully done. It was a movie for children mm-hmm. teaching them about their emotions. Yep. And I think what like what honestly got me emotional in the audience, like when I watched it for the first time, was how you sometimes you have ba- you have sad memories that are ultimately good, mm-hmm. right? Like you have to you have bad or sad memories. Yeah, I, I love that the whole film was structured around joy, learning that sad is important, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is I feel like kind of you know so beautiful. Us, we oh, we always yeah. feel like we got to be happy and we got everything's okay and we're all put together. Yeah, we can't all be automatons. Nope, no. nope, <laughs> and. uh you know, it's, I think it's something that we're starting to understand and address is that, you know, sadness is a part of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not bad. You know, we, you will overcome it. There's ups and downs, just like a roller coaster. But for some people, it's just there always. Mm. It's, 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 it's clinical. It's clinical. It's mm. just a constant, it's a constant block. Um, I, was, I was talking to my neighbor actually about it. And she said she feels that it starts in the heart. And, you know, all problems start in the heart and then move upwards towards the brain when you start thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And just some people, it gets stuck there, you know, and it just starts building this turmoil and there's like, it just doesn't get out. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was an interesting analogy to kind of talk about depression where it literally it's just, it's just blocked, you know, there, there there's no way out. And sometimes it's by talking to someone mm-hmm. um, and making sure you're talking to the right someone because, you know, if you go to therapy for a year and you don't feel like it's working, you're not talking to the right person. Right. You know, it's really about connecting with someone, as we said earlier. If you right. don't connect with someone, you're not going to. It's might as well forget about it. Yeah. My mom, my mom's been in and out of therapy off and on for the last eight or nine years. And the first couple of times, you know, she was just basically trying to trick the therapist into thinking nothing's wrong or, you know, like whatever. (laughs) And I'm like, you need to find somebody that you actually feel comfortable talking to. Mm -hmm. Like not somebody you feel like you have to weasel out of. And she finally found one and was with them for like six months. And it was tremendously good for her, you know? And I remember four or five months in, she's like, I'm actually talking about stuff and I'm feeling better. I'm like, it's amazing what happens, right? <laughs> That's <Yeah>. the point. <laughs> and you She's know, like, well, why can't I talk to you about this stuff? I said, cause I'm part of the problem. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, know, you, you can't go why, talk to your yeah. problem about your problem. You know, you just got to find some third party neutral person who can just let you talk and, and you know, and not give you excuses. <laughs> exactly. And like, our goal with demons in terms of getting it out there is that we really want. So if we like exceed our goal, we have plans to 
get this to public like public education, mm-hmm. get it to libraries, just get it to where people can see it mm-hmm. because that's ultimately what's important because my goal as the director is to make sure that the person who's struggling at that moment watching it relates to the main character. Sure. That's good. Because if they don't, then it was all, it was all lost. You know, it it, it wasn't, you know, yeah. Yeah. Probably can't tell us too much about it, huh? What? Eh, If it has a happy ending. (laughs) Oh, no, it does. It does. It does. It It has a happy, but the thing is, it's not a Hollywood happy ending. Yeah. It leaves you on a point of beginning. Of of, of a new beginning. That's what I liked about Inside Out. It was just a point of new beginning. It wasn't like, oh, Joy's 100% in control again. And like, we got got the whole like goofy town back or the hockey town back. You know, it was all new towns. It was all new. It was all, you know, and that's that complete restructuring of of personality, the restructuring of the person. Putting, taking childhood, childhood was done. Time to become something different, you mm-hmm. know, like that rebirth. But know? I was so comfortable with childhood, you know, and like that's yeah. why I really like the movie is that it teaches children like change happens. Change happens. Mm. Yep. And it, you're never going to get it back. Like, that's the thing. Yeah. You know, she never she never gets those things that she lost back, hmm. you know. I got to see this movie. It's, yeah, you I heard, have to see I heard it's it really good so like from adults and people who are like usually done. don't like comedies. And, yeah. Yeah. Cartoonism. It's a different. It's a different it? perspective. Yeah, yeah. I like it. I, it's one of the first movies that that I think I've ever seen that addresses the issue of emotions with children. Children, yeah, huh. huge, yeah. and not try to mask it with like toys or yeah. you know, purple dinosaurs. just purple dinosaurs yeah. or, or <laughs> strawberry head. strawberry bears and. You know. I mean, the characters themselves are all playful and cool, right? But, but, they're, but they're, not, they're so representative yeah. of the emotion. Mm. Um, and you relate to it on so many levels when you're watching it. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the part. I think that's what was most fun is seeing an audience of all ages laughing at different parts of the movie where they specifically intended for those like age groups to laugh at. I took my friend Cheryl to see it. She's a high school teacher. And she, she like hates going to animated movies. Like I always try to get her to go to Pixar films and she's like, eh, I don't really want to go. There. I finally, I was just like, come on, you got to come see this with me. I really want to see it. You know, it's the only movie I want to see. You know, that's how I sold it. Like, I don't care about any other films in the theater right now. Let's go watch this. <laughs> so I dragged her to watch it and she was crying. She was, you know, right there with the characters all the way through it. At the very end, she turns to me and she goes, I am so glad that you made me watch this. <laughs> She's like, I have to go back and watch all these Pixar movies. Are they all this good? And I'm like, pretty much. Pretty much. And a lot of them are about change and, mm-hmm. and dealing with it. I mean, Toy Story 3, same thing. Like, oh, we were all growing up. <laughs> you know? Like, oh, he gave his toys to the little girl. Like, oh, my God. It's beautiful, man. You know, like, but I, I love that, and and I and I think I think that that shows the power of what film can do mm-hmm. in conveying that message, you know. Which is why film. I mean, hope. people don't realize that sometimes when you're going after a, you know, something like Down syndrome or something like suicide prevention, that you know, film, television, they're very powerful mediums. Mm-hmm. Very powerful. You know, it doesn't matter who's in it. You do it right. Yeah, yep. I mean. Sometimes I might make it more relatable, actually, yeah. if you don't have a big name attached. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like if you saw, I don't know, if Tom Cruise was in Demons, you'd be like, man, he's not depressed. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? He's just crazy. <laughs> yeah. He's a Scientologist. So, and different. actually, you know, the thing about Demons is we do have a lot of local talent in it. Like oh, Sidney cool. Franklin is Oh, uh, Cindy's son. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Sidney yes. Franklin is mm-hmm. the lead. Tom mm-hmm. Stewart. Mm-hmm. Um, he is, uh, you know, uh, a local. He does mostly theater. Mm-hmm. But. You know, he is a very good actor. Mm-hmm. Um, Teresa de Belisario is another actress. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carter, yeah. Kathleen Scott. Yeah. Yep. Uh, she's in it. Uh, who else? Jim Phillips. Um, uh, Caitlin McCormick, which is uh, Wayne McCormick's son, another film okay. supporter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Michelle Way, mm-hmm. another actress. Who else is it? I mean, th- there's a lot Randy of. Randy Davison. <laughs> Actually, this is one that Randy isn't in. Okay. <laughs> Woohoo! We found the one! <laughs> he was but, sick that day. But, uh, you know, uh, th- there's th- what this is, it's a community from all over the world. I yeah. mean, we've had support from France, from, I mean, everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, of course, the strong, two strongest communities are LA and San Diego that are backing this. Right. So, I mean, this is so what two we strongest were, communities that listen to our show, too. So. Well, it, I mean, the thing is, is that, you know, we were talking, you know, just to kind of New York go back <laughs> to go back. I mean, again, those alliances between Los Angeles and San Diego, we need to start doing projects like this where you've put the two together, put out a good product that gets national publicity, worldwide publicity. Then that's when things start happening, because mm-hmm. then people go. I thought they hate each other. I thought this. Well, you thought wrong. They're working together perfectly well in a good film or a good project. Mm-hmm. And good things are coming out of it. So it makes people step back and wonder, maybe we need to revisit this. Yeah. yeah. So. Let me know if there's anything I can do in production side to help you guys out. Oh, that'd maybe. be great. I mean, we, <laughs> happy to, we're right still – uh, we're still putting stuff together. Um, you know, again, we're finishing the crowdfunding up. Um, you know, I, mean, I don't want to edit for you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, I, I guess I could, but <laughs> you probably but, want somebody uh, better. But <laughs> you never know. Yeah. I mean, you can't. You can't. This is what I also tell people: don't judge your own skills. Mm. Let the people who are looking at you do that. Yeah, because no. lots of people tell me I'm a decent editor. Okay, it's fine. Well, I mean, it, you know, again, <laughs> probably because I hate it so much. Yeah, right. That's usually it. You know? Your demons. <laughs> I mean, I hate doing budgets. I hate doing business plans. But you guess yeah. what? I'm doing them. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. I mean, that's how it goes. So you guys have like some stuff you want to like give to some listeners? Oh, so yeah. So, um, you know, we're offering, you know, we're doing a dinner with our cast, Mm. Sydney, Tom, uh, David, myself. (laughs) Uh, we're going to, you know, sponsor dinner for one of your listeners. So, um, and just, you know, chance for them to pick your brain pretty much we're we're putting ourselves in front of the fire is there a venue you're gonna go to a restaurant or well basically it's going to be um so we're doing it that that one giveaway for one lucky person okay um you know uh what it would be is it would be a restaurant of their choice 
And Red it, Lobster. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> what is that coming to your head? Mark, Everybody wants Cheddar <laughs> Bay biscuits, man. <laughs> when is the last time I've heard everyone? Where do you want to go eat? <laughs> Red Lobster. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't eaten at one of those in like eight oh or nine years. <laughs> are they still around? Yeah, yeah there's one are. down the street. <laughs> I saw Cheddar Bay Biscuits. At, uh, and you like just walked immediately into the door. Ralph's a couple days ago. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. I don't have to go anymore. I just buy this box and heat them up in the microwave. <laughs> like, uh. Well, I mean, the same thing with Famous Dave's, you know, the Famous Dave's restaurant. Oh, yeah. Now they have their cornbread. Yeah. So now yeah. you don't have to set foot in their restaurant. You're going to eat your cornbread. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we're, we'll, we'll, we'll do a dinner with them. Mm. And uh, we're not paying for alcohol. Don't uh, even think about it. This is not our no usual <laughs> Hollywood fair where you sit there and drink all night. But uh, yeah, we'll have dinner with uh, one person and, and, you know, pretty much any questions about the industry, any questions, anything from development all the way up to uh, producing. They got a, they got an entire dinner time to sit with you, pick your brain, pitch some shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. This is the industry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That deals are made at the dinner table. Breaking bread. Uh, so, so yeah. So, uh, basically, one lucky listener will sit at the table with us, and who knows? Lucky. That's debatable. <laughs> <laughs> so, you've got till yeah. Thursday to figure out how to coordinate this one out. <laughs> <laughs> how do but, we pick uh, a listener? <laughs> I'll figure it out. Ah. <laughs> Whoever blasts it on Twitter or mm. Facebook yes. the most. Who's yeah. got the most likes. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. That way, I just, I'm just imagining this is how like film competitions happen. How do we pick a winner? Like, <laughs> whoever has the most like, likes. Literally, it just Facebook. happens. Like, mm. Whoever has the most retweets. <laughs> so you want to hear a little, a little thing that mm-hmm. I've heard from? And I, again, I can't repeat who this person said, who this person was, but um, and and there are a lot of articles about this, mm-hmm. you know, and. Uh, Someone said, how do you get the attention of a producer, especially a first-time producer, who's never, you know, who's looking for their first project actor, da-da-da. You hype up your project with social media. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. How you do it, they don't care. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to suggest ways to do it because mm-hmm. I'm sure everybody knows how to do Google and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, a lot of actors for first-time producers, you know, I know them. They will go to IMDb and look at the star meter. I know there's a lot of, like, you know, talk about it. But, again, first-time producers don't know. Right. They don't. Right. So they, you know, they listen to what's out there. And what's out there says if marketing says you'll get more people to your project and more da-da-da-da, therefore – Mathematics says you need to get someone who's got a lot of. I actually uh, went to yeah, Mark's producer unfortunate. class a, a couple like a week ago. Yeah, and I, I told I told the entire class there I said you have to have a social media presence, and if you're an actor especially, you need to have a social media presence because there are going to be producers who look at that mm-hmm. as yeah. a factor in whether you get the role over somebody else. Now, if you're working with someone who's been in the industry, they know better than that mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they've had the experience, they've gone through. That you know, they you know, everybody has their first time. There's different gauges, yeah. you know, but at different oh, levels, the gauges like, change, right. you know. And and you know, the bottom line too is it's talent. 
because, mm-hmm. you know, you have people that have no social media presence and still get casted every single time. You mentioned Eric Roberts. Yeah, but there's but there's a difference there. There's a difference between a higher budgeted film who's getting a name. That's true. And Eric Roberts has a name that looks good on a press release. It looks good on other things that he doesn't actually do himself. Mm. But if you're on a small budgeted film, you know, that's not getting a name. If I got two talented actors that are looking at playing a role for me, the one who has a bit yeah, better social media presence is going to probably get the and that's because, because, and that's it's because the, for me at that hmm. level of filmmaking, I need those followers. And then mm-hmm. people don't understand that's a business decision. Yep. Mm-hmm. People keep it's not saying a personality that's a personality decision thing. at all. It's I a mean, business decision. You know, it's as a marketing public, one-on-one com- coming as from a publicist point of view, I want someone that I'm, I'm not going to have to fight and say, who, you know, mm. who is this person? Mm-hmm. Look, look up there. Oh, I don't, uh, you know, if you have to answer those questions, your job's 10 times harder. Mm, right. So yeah, that, that's, that's just, it's not, people always mistake that that's a personal thing. It's not, it's, it's a business thing. And again, that's why you said, you know, we need to get more business side mentality producers out here because they can clarify that kind of stuff. Yep. They really can. Mm. So, and I met a while back, we said separating business from personal, but, Vice versa, separating personal, like don't bring your personal matters to the business. Leave the luggage at the door. Same, you know, principle. And I've seen it before where people get offended when you have to make a decision based on those those minute factors, you know. And it's purely business. Yeah. You know, as awful as that sounds when you say that to someone, you know, or you don't don't really phrase it like that. (laughs) But, you know, it's a numbers game. Yeah. That's what it is. It's either, it's either the, it's the sad, numbers though. of money. That's a little sad. That's either the numbers like of money or it's the numbers the of media um, or whatever. No, it's always been it's the always case. Been, see, that's so? the thing. It, Hollywood it, is always It was always been. about the name. The name, yes. You know, but, not but, media. but now, well, what social media has allowed is a smaller person mm-hmm. to have right. a footprint yeah. that matters. Mm. In the same way that a named actor has a footprint that matters. At that level, the name is, is key, you know? Mm. Yeah. At this level now, because of social media, people have a way of of Engaging. breaking themselves yeah. beyond the competition around them by creating a social media footprint that can help the film. Just just right, just think about you know back then to like let's say the sixties to make a movie you had to shoot on film, yes. right? So, but nowadays independent filmmakers use what we use digital because mm-hmm. it's you know it's, Canon T three I exactly. <laughs> So it's the exact same gauge it is with talent is that, you know, now they have the ability to get known Mm -hmm. through social media. Mm -hmm. Just like the same thing with filmmakers is that we now have the tools that are less expensive to make quality product. Yeah. You know, it it just comes with the new technology, you know, the new era. Mm -hmm. Um, And if any, if anything, as my professors put it, it's a lot better for us right now but at the same, the flip side is that a lot of stuff gets made. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's really great for us to get known, but the ocean that we're now in is much bigger. Mm-hmm. Con- yeah, and I'll be honest with you, Mark. Content. There, there are going to be people in town who look at you and look at Kristen mm-hmm. and go, "If I get them on my show, they're they're part of that podcast." Ooh, did you, you know? hear that, producers? <laughs> 
But, you know, we're out there every week. Our footprint is huge mm. compared to other actors in town who don't have a show that they put out twice a week. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, and that's going to matter. And you're going to talk about things that you're in. You do. You talk about things that you're in on the show. You I bring do. in Because you help produce this show, you're able to bring in some of the filmmakers that you work with to talk about their projects like Jordan Hates and, you know, those kinds of deals. That matters. Mm-hmm. You know, from a smaller micro economy of what we're doing here that matters in the way that you know an eric roberts or a tom cruise or whatever works on the on the much larger eric roberts economy. is in a lot of san diego films lately huh is he isn't he, That's he has been. i mean he has like over like 600 credits oh really it's crazy i think he's taking the michael kane route of i accept michael everything <laughs> it's crazy yeah shooting san diego so yes to everything so anyway um so we'll figure out how to Pick a, a winner. Um, okay. We're going to see show. them at dinner. Just watch. No. <laughs> <laughs> My sister won. What a coincidence. Can I get, a, amazing. Can I get some more Cheddar Bay biscuits, please? <laughs> <laughs> now I want to go to Red Lobster. There you go. See? See the um, when you walk we'll in. We'll figure that <laughs> out. <laughs> Demons is currently in its crowdfunding. The link is on the show page. Uh, so go to ixe.us. And go to the show page and you'll see a link to the crowdfunding campaign for Demons. Um, at the time this show goes up, there's a couple of days left um, to contribute, help them get to their goal, help them get past their goal. This is the type of film that we really should all get behind because it is about putting a positive message out there and trying to help people. And any donation helps. Don't yeah. think you have to you know, donate to get one of the incentives. Of course, if you donate enough click the incentive because we're more than happy to give it to you. But if you want to donate something under any of the incentives helps or beyond or beyond, (laughs) you know, anything helps, whatever you can, whatever you can give, this is the type of project you should be giving to. And, uh, you know, thank you both for, for sitting down and chatting with us. Had a blast. Yeah. It was uh, fun. What's he doing? Oh, and oh. yeah, your donation. It's a nonprofit project. Yep, your donation okay. is 100% So this one tax. is a donation, yeah. not a contribution. Oh. So it is 100% tax deductible, so get on it. Nice. Go visit the crowdfunding page for Demons, and let's help these fine folks make their film. And uh, I hope we can Thank have you, you guys yeah. back on the show sometime down the road. Oh, it'd be a blast. Keep talking about where we're at and things are happening. Red yeah. yeah, we can podcast from Red Lobster. Now we're getting somewhere. <laughs> we podcast Wheels are in motion, and like interview the waitress or waiter, you know, cracking crab legs and stuff. <laughs> oh, we need to do it during one of their seasons, like shrimp season. Oh, so and we review. We all we, we get all their like special stuff and review it. I'm open to this idea. We'll do it as a YouTube episode. <laughs> Cheddar Bay biscuits. Bring in the cameras, the whole bit. <laughs> Red Lobster's gonna love Periscope it. Periscope it. Oh gosh. <laughs> hey, social media. Thanks, guys. All right, thank you. Thank you. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash IXE. Over 150,000 tiles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Audible.com is your source for digital audiobooks. My personal favorite is Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, read by Stephen Fry. It's amazing. So get your free 30-day trial and free audiobook download and show your support for the intellectual podcast by going to www.audibletrial.com ixe.